0: Welcome to Methaytase Radio, the much surer word exposed. It's good to be here recording another episode for you guys to listen to, enjoy, be edified by. I hope that is what comes out of this, is that we glorify the Lord together, that we're made a sharper instrument in his hand to execute whatever it is that he has for us in this very day and in our lives in general. I'm doing... What I've done previously when I've preached a message at churches, whereby I sort of make a, a podcastier version of the message that I've preached. And in fact, I had the privilege fairly recently of preaching at two churches, two different churches. One of them was the chapel that my grandma goes to at her nursing home, and the other one was again going to fellowship with the Kuma Reform Bible Church. You might even like to avail yourself of some of their resources. You can find them on Sermon Audio. And then if you search for Kuma, pretty sure they're the only one on there that has anything to do with Kuma. So I'll probably link to them in the notes in any case, so you can just click on the link. But lots of messages up there. They actually get, despite the fact that they're a very small church, they get lots of listens from all over the world mainly in America, I believe. But that is an amazing thing, isn't it? That the gospel can go out just like we're doing now, recording here in a a little country town in Australia and people can hear from all over the world. And whilst I think of it, according to my SoundCloud account, I've had some listens from Korea, from Tokyo, from France, from various places in America. And so if you're listening and you are blessed by this, then praise God for that. Certainly, feel free to avail yourself of our Facebook page if you search for Mathetes Radio, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-S Radio, although you probably knew how to spell it because you have listened to us already. But, in case you didn't, there you go. Feel free to find us on Facebook and, and like the page. It'd be really encouraging to see some folks from all over the world, not just my friends and family, liking the page. Although, if you are one of my friends or family, of course I appreciate you <laughs> liking the page as well, absolutely. But, to the substance of the podcast, the sermons I preached were both on Psalm 1, and they took a, a slightly different format. My grandma's chapel service, in total, goes for generally between a half an hour, 45 minutes, and the sermon makes up about 10 minutes of that time. Whereas, at the Kuma Reform Bible Church there, There almost is no limit on how long you can go for, and so I think I preach for around half an hour. And again, I'll probably link to that in the show notes in case you wanted to listen to that as well. But the sermons were on Psalm 1, and I started at the Kuma Reform Church by mentioning a sort of intro jingle from a show called Way of the Master. Some of you might be familiar with it. I know I've talked about it on the show before. Todd Friel, who used to be a comedian and is now the host of Wretched Radio, Wretched TV, and Wretched whoever knows what else, he used to be a comedian and they often had some pretty funny intro jingles. But one of them, which was both funny and straight to the point and relevant to my sermon, was this It would say, Way of the Master, read your Bible and pray. Next question. And it reminds us, doesn't it, of all those ordinary means of grace. I remember a, a pastor from a church that I went to for quite a while, about two decades, uh, asking me, you know, w- what is it that you think would improve the state of the church today? Where is it that we're, we're missing? What are we lacking? What can we do? And I forget exactly what my answer was, but I know the first thought that came to my head was basically to read the Bible, and perhaps even to pray as well but that seemed to me at the time to be too simple an answer. And so I came up with some other thing which perhaps sounded more elaborate, but was really probably way off. Those ordinary means of grace, things like Bible reading, meditation on God's word on the Bible, prayer, worshipping God in song, gathering together. I don't think there's enough importance placed on these things, or sometimes they become simply traditional and not really meaningful. And that's reflected in the first couple of verses of this psalm, at least the, the side of that being that we ought to meditate on God's word and, and read it and think about it. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day. And night so there's some things that this person does do and things that they don't do they don't walk in the counsel of the wicked they don't stand in the way of sinners they don't sit in the seat of scoffers but what they do do is that they delight in the law of the Lord law there being not just books like Leviticus and Deuteronomy that do have uh, laws or you might say rules for living but describing the whole of God's word. So he meditates on this. He delights in this. And he rejects every evil, choosing rather to meditate on those good things in God's word. And moving on to verse 3, it almost sounds like life is always going to be peachy for the Christian. And is that true? Let's read the verse. It says, He is like a tree planted by streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. See, it even uses that word prospers. Is the prosperity gospel a real thing? It seems like it almost, but rest assured, it's not a thing. Let's have a look why. Here's a parallel passage in Jeremiah 17 verse 8. It says, He is like a tree planted by water. "...that sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit." So it's not true that the Christian will never encounter problems. It is true that we will encounter problems. In fact, Jesus himself has said this. And if you look at both of those passages, you'll see, especially in Jeremiah 17 verse 8, that it talks about when heat comes... It says that this person is not anxious in the year of drought, and so it's presupposing that hardship will occur, but that's part of the reason why the planter, God, has planted his people by streams of water, so that even when hardship does come, there will still be inward sustenance. Now, the Christian certainly does have hardship. This Christian is always sustained and able to absorb sustenance. He or she is never cut off from that living water, from Jesus. If you think about Paul, he encountered labors, imprisonments, countless beatings, he was often near death. Five times he received forty lashes less one, three times he was beaten with rods, once he was stoned, three times he was shipwrecked, and a night and a day he was adrift at sea, as we learn from Second Corinthians chapter 11. But still, he was content. Why? Because he was a picture of the blessed man spoken of in this psalm. He had learned that his contentment was found with Christ. And he says in, I think it's First Timothy, he, said, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. He talks about if we have food and clothing with these things, we shall be content. If we have just the mere, the mere necessities, but we've got Christ, we are content. And so, is this you? Are you content? Are you blessed? Are you this person who rejects evil and loves God's word, meditates on it? Do you read the word? Love the word? Do you pray the word? Do you live the word? Certainly something to think about, especially in light of the next verse, verse 4. Because what it says about the wicked is quite shocking. Verse 4 says the wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So the wicked are the opposite of all these good things, all this blessing that we've just learnt about in the first part of the psalm. It says they're like chaff, the light wispy skin of grain, and it's blown away. There's no order. Unlike the, unlike the blessed man that is purposely planted in a specific place by the planter, unlike him. The wicked is just driven away by the wind with no order. Their way will not live on. But you say, what about wars and Hitler and Stalin? Their ways live on. Only for a time, my friend. Only for a time. Psalm 2 verse 1 and then verses 4 to 6 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? And verses 4 to 6, He who sits in the heavens laughs the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. So what do we learn from that? God is in control. He has set his king on his eternal hill of Zion. His ways will live on, whereas the ways of the wicked will certainly not. Though The wicked may plot against God, though they may hate God, their ways will not live on no matter how much power they might seem to have in this earth. Jesus reigns, and he has and will more obviously win. And we see this also in some ways in the sort of whimsical and fad-like nature of many things in the world. We see opinions change, we see interests change, we see the majority opinion on Whatever issue it might be, change. The ways of the wicked are not solid. They're not fixed because they're not based upon anything. This isn't to say that the Christian is a better person. It's to say that we have Christ. Christ has changed us. And he has helped us to see that the objective standard is him. It's reflected in his word. Without that, we have no basis. We have just mere opinion. Verses 5 and 6 say, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. When God judges the world, those outside of Christ, non-Christians, those who are not depending on Christ and Christ alone to save them, again, non-Christians, these will not stand. They won't be in amongst God's people. And they will be judged eternally in hell. God has made himself known to the world. We clearly see him. We know he exists. And so if we reject his ways, we are responsible for that rejection. I love how it says in that verse, on a more positive note, that God knows the way of the righteous. And we can be tempted to think that God knows the way of the righteous. He knows that I'm doing good stuff, all this kind of business. But no, he knows He is intimate with the way of the righteous because the righteous are following in his way. Of course, he knows his own way. And so God knows the way of the righteous because they are following after him. They are following after his ways. They are following after the things that are according to his character that marry up with what he is like. Whereas wicked ways are not only temporary, but will result in no good thing for the wicked. Now, you might be thinking, well, I'm, I'm not that wicked. You know, I, I do a lot better than most people. But my friend, I would say to you with respect to you and in sincerity that the Bible says that even our good works are as filthy rags to God. Because his standard is so high. And his standard has to be high, doesn't it? Because otherwise, he would just be a pretty good guy. But he's not just a pretty good guy. He's God. His standard is so high that even our best works are as filthy rags to him. And so our hope, our only hope, is in Jesus Christ. Is in turning away from sin. And trusting in him, the only one. The God-man, the man who is fully God and fully man, who lived among us, lived a perfect life, and so wasn't due for the same punishment that we are. Our only hope is in having his righteousness credited to our account because he paid our fine for us. If you will repent, if you'll turn from sin, just like we see in those first couple of verses, and if you'll trust in Christ, You'll never be separated from him. And if that's you, then your wickedness has been credited to Jesus and his righteousness, his perfection, has been credited to you. That's the real nature of the blessing that is spoken of in this psalm. It's ultimately for salvation. In addition, those who are well acquainted with God's word, who meditate on it night and day, who meditate on it often, will be especially blessed as they are becoming familiar with the word of the God of all and living in his ways. And so what? So read your Bible, live it, love it, and get saved if you're not. Your only hope is in Jesus. Even your best cannot win God. Not to say that you've never done good things. Walking an old lady across the street is a good thing. Buying your friend a coffee is a good thing. But even these things will not win over God. He must punish sin. And if you're a person, you've sinned. Which one of us hasn't lied or stolen or cheated or or not been totally honest on our taxes or something like this? Not looked at a, a woman with lust or a man with lust? Every one of us has sinned. And so we need Jesus. As I started with, I want to remind Christians, make use of the means of grace. Gathering together with the body, reading the Bible, meditating upon it, worshipping together. These things are vital for our Christian walk. But if you struggle with them, well, pray that God would help you. I think that's something that we miss so often. Pray that God would help you. And set goals and then work toward them. I've found in my own life... And so take this for what it's worth, but I've found in my own life that sometimes when there's godly things that I don't want to do so much, if I just start doing them, then eventually they become a part of, I guess you'd say my routine, they become even something that I would look forward to. And also, be accountable to someone. Someone who would disciple you, who would help you in your Christian walk. But read that word, read that Bible book and become well acquainted with it. Live in those ways. And even if somehow we're cut off from reading his word, we are never cut off from Christ. But it does show the importance of memorizing his word. If, God forbid, somehow we lost all contact with Bibles, physical and electronic, if we have his word stored up in our hearts and in our minds, then we can never lose that. And so this is Tobias. Signing out on the Radio, the much surer word, exposed. Make sure to meditate on that much sure word. Make sure to read it. Make sure to love it. God bless, guys.